Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Nico Montañez of Mammoth Track Club. Nico is an accomplished marathoner and road racer who's had a fantastic last couple months, beginning with running 213 for seventh place at the Chicago Marathon in October, continuing with his top three finish at the U.S. Half Marathon Championships, and most recently culminating with his first national title at the U.S. 15K Champs in Jacksonville, Florida last weekend. Nico shared his unique story that began in Tucson, Arizona, went from junior college to BYU, and landed at Mammoth Track Club under Dina and Andrew Castor. Nico talked about his sports psychology work and how that's paid off in his results, how his Boston buildup is going, uh, and shared a lot of wisdom from his time at BYU. We also covered bad tattoos, being mistaken for Galen Rupp, and slip and slides. Just something to think about going into this episode, um, Nika and I had a very personal and nuanced conversation in the middle there um, that included a lot of talk about our religious beliefs, our values, and in particular the way that those two things shape our perceptions of BYU and its honor code. It's certainly a more difficult topic than we normally cover on the pod, and I want to thank Nico for being so open and vulnerable about his experience. Uh, I also want to encourage you, the listeners, to just approach this episode with an open heart and an open mind, um, and to really listen to, to what we're saying. I hope it sparks a conversation for you and the people close to you for your next long run. That's it for me. Enjoy the episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review this podcast and all the others on the Sidious Network. And until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. Saturday at 5 p.m., so I'm going to crack a beer as well. So. <laughs> nice. Cheers. No pressure. My, Cheers. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk for Long Talking Runners. Uh, we have a great guest this week, uh, fresh off his first national title, uh, or I guess I should say professional national title, uh, Nico Montanias. Welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It's a blast. Well, with uh, with the benefit of a little bit of retrospect, how uh, how are you feeling about the race last weekend? You know, I feel very I feel very good about the race. Obviously, for obvious reasons, um, just trying to go back and picture what went on from you know five k, ten k on, and just think about okay, how did I feel in those moments? Um, was I was I positive with myself? Was I negative at any time? So just kind of going back in that aspect mentally and figuring it out. But but overall, I, I thought I executed very well. And I give myself a 9 out of 10. Is 10 is, you know, it's really perfect. And I don't believe in that. But yeah, but I, I would say that was probably one of my first nine races I'd give myself. So, yeah. It's going in, um, you know, obviously, you know, you're always trying to to race for the win every opportunity you can. Yeah. But did you have a sense going in that, that that was, you know, kind of a realistic goal or did you surprise yourself a little? Um, yeah, it was, it was realistic. Um, only because we had such a good game plan uh, heading into this, into this race. And, you know, I kind of kept refreshing the page on like all the participants that were, you know, going to be running. And then, you know, Finally, Galen Rupp was added to the list. I think he was a late ad, if I'm not mistaken. And it was like, whoa. Uh, and so I remember 
uh, getting a massage by my coach and we were discussing things and I asked him, I said, Hey, did you look at the final like entry list? You know, what do we, do we need to switch up our game plan? And he had some colorful words. I won't repeat, but uh, <laughs> he basically said like, I, we're not flying 3000 miles to go lose a race. And that just struck a chord with me. And, and that just solidified how much he believed in me and what the game plan was when, um, you know, and taking part of that race, but, but yeah, you know, I definitely expected it. I prayed for it, things like that. And then, you know, it was kind of surreal when I did it. So it, um, a little bit of second nature in a way. So. Yeah. Did I hear correctly? Uh, somebody told me that I guess um, they were confused at the finish line and oh, the announcers oh maybe called you Galen Ruff. <laughs> they did not. Maybe they definitely did. Um, so my dad was the one actually, he was at the race and he, he, um, they were saying, Galen Ruff this, Galen Ruff that, Galen Ruff has broken away from the pack and here comes Galen Ruff rounding the corner. Um, and my dad goes, okay, you know, I know Galen, I've seen him before. He's sort of familiar, not really. Um, and he sees me and he goes, wait a minute, that's not Galen. Like that's my son. Um, so I just thought that was very interesting. I, I don't know what they said afterwards, if they corrected themselves, but I was just so excited to cross the line that I was just like, but I definitely heard it. I can't tell you that much. <laughs> That's uh, that's really, uh, that's quite something. Um, if for no other reason than. Galen Rupp is white. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I was allowed to make that comment, but I, the first thing I said was, and I thought of was, I'm brown. Like, there's no comparison. <laughs> so, does it, you know, obviously with such credentialed, you know, people on the race, not just Galen, but obviously like, you know, that race definitely felt like a who's who of, you know, kind of the US road scene the past couple of years. Do you go into circumstances like that with like a little extra chip on your shoulder of, of feeling like there's something to prove or is it just, you know, another day at the office? I, I used to go into races with quote unquote, something to prove. And I realized that that for me was a big insecurity issue. Um, and so now I go into these races um, with the help of my sports psychologist who I hired actually at this time. Well, actually the race, the week of that race, like that time last year. And ever since I've been working with him, it's, it's more of just stepping into what I believe that I know I could be. Um, and then allowing everyone else to shine too, you know, with me. Um, so yeah, it was, it's definitely been like more of that mindset. And like, if I bring out the best in myself today, I think I can allow others to, to do the same. So, but yeah. And so uh, as somebody who, has uh has run well i've run two marathons not well yet but um i i find not even just training for marathons but in general i find one of my big challenges is balancing that like build up fitness versus you know peaking or, or mini peaking for races in the middle of the build up and you're running Boston in a, in a, yeah. a, a little more than a month um so what did what did that look like for you going into jacksonville like would you just you're totally training through or you're sort of yeah. sharpening up a little yeah we definitely uh we didn't train like the normal 120 110 we, we definitely backed off and i think uh andrew my coach um his philosophy and honestly now my philosophy because I, I believe in 100 percent um i found that what's worked for me is going into u.s championships 
uh, road races um, and just like trying to win and putting myself in the best position to do that. And so um, he assured me uh, a numerous amount of times that I would be fine if I did uh, taper just a little bit mm -hmm. before this race. Um, you know, so, so yeah, um, with these road races, especially the, the championship style races, it's, it's about, you know, being your best on that day. Cause, cause we have a, a ton of time still is the way I see it. And so I'm already back up to the high mileage and, and that feels awesome. I feel like I haven't missed a beat. So, and I so, took Sunday completely off. <laughs> <laughs> um, hearing the, uh, the running for the win in championship style races. Uh, the next obvious question, uh, I guess, is are, are we running for the win in Boston? Is that is that the goal? You know, that'd be awesome. Um, there are limits. Um, you know, I don't know that I could run with 202, uh, 203, 204 marathoners just quite yet. Um, the goal is to, again, just perform at my best level whatever that looks like um and just like knowing i can look myself in the mirror that night um and to say i gave it my all so that's kind of like the goal but you know i'm fierce i'm competitive and that's also like a driving force for me you know sometimes it takes over the the driver's seat and it's like push everything else to the side um but yeah but you know definitely the goal is to to be really competitive up front you know i expect myself to be up there so Nice. And, uh, Boston is obviously a, a bit of a unique beast. Have you done any, you know, runs, gone mm -hmm. out East and done runs on the course or mm -hmm. simulated it and training at all? What's, what's the prep been like? Yeah. Uh, last year. So I ran Chicago last year. My teammate Reed Buchanan, uh, ran Boston. Um, and while we were on the East coast after the 20 K, uh, we decided we had this decided already, but we went to the course and, um, and ran, uh, I think from, we drove about eight or nine miles and then we hopped out at like mile 10 or something and, and then ran Probably like the started like Natick, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, something yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. I just, I was shocked with how much downhill it is. Now, maybe people don't believe me or maybe it's being a mammoth. Like, I, I really don't know, but I was, I was really shocked. And so I was so happy to like get the idea and get familiar with like, okay, time to really beat up my legs these next couple weeks with downhill running, you know, be doing it smart. But yeah, I was just, I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, it, well, it's so funny. I'm like the, the most qualified, unqualified <laughs> advice of Boston. I've never run it, but I, I grew up at mile 16 and yeah. like I have lived here since college. So I've, I've done a lot of about as much running as anyone can do <laughs> on the Boston course without actually ever running okay. it. Um, and yeah, the big, I mean, the big, I think word of caution I would give is that mm. once you hit halfway, so basically you hit Wellesley and you then run pretty much straight downhill for like three and a half miles. And it's, I, I think more than the heartbreak Hills, I think that that's what fucks people over in Boston is that you hit a downhill stretch, right. As you're feeling like. Oh, I'm halfway. I feel great. Like the wall hasn't hit yet. And that's like when people get in trouble because they start like pushing a little too hard, a little too early, and then they pay for it later. So, so Thank don't get so cocky much. in, in uh, mile 13 through 16. That's my advice. You got it. No, thank you. I'll take that to heart for sure. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about, 
learning from the course, you know, and taking all that you can. Cause at the end of the day, the marathon's a, like you said, we said it's a beast um, and it owes you nothing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just trying to like wrap my head around, you know, what an awesome weekend it's going to be. So, yeah. Thank you. I have to imagine, um, yeah. you know, with, with Dina around on the team, like I would just be picking her brain all the time about <laughs> like marathoning advice. Do you, do you have those conversations with her about like words of wisdom? Um, <laughs> words of wisdom. Absolutely. Um, and even and it rarely has to do with Boston. Um, I, she's just so uplifting. Um, and so like, again, it's like words of wisdom not maybe pertaining to the course, but just like how you marathoning in general. Yeah. <laughs> and marathoning and training. And and so I would definitely be picking her brain. Um, she's actually out with her daughter in LA. They are at a Imagine Dragons concert. So <laughs> they're enjoying some other daughter time. <laughs> but yes, I will be, I will be hounding her for, for quite some time. So, yeah. So what's the, so uh, mammoth right now am i say, saying correctly that you're the only male pro on the mammoth team right now so is it like a lot of solo miles what is what is the set training setup look like these days it is it is a lot of solo miles uh thankfully i do have my teammate back um reed, reed buchanan um for for about three weeks um he primarily does live in san diego with his fiance but uh you know, he's still on the team. He's, he's on the Mammoth Track Club. and um, But a lot of solo miles before that and after that, of course. So it's a lot of Andrew on the bike. And I've learned uh, just what a great training partner that is. <laughs> uh, to have him on the bike, um, blocking the wind, you know, just it's awesome. But yeah, I would say the bike has been like my best friend lately. So yeah, and a lot of, a lot of easy runs, a lot of uh, earbuds and just... <laughs> you know, trying you to let, daydream. <laughs> obviously like coming from, that's probably could not be more different than like the BYU uh, training environment. Do you have kind of a yeah. preference of like, excuse me, big groups versus <laughs> solo? Yeah. You know, I, I miss, I just miss any training partner in general. I, I truly believe that there's power in numbers. And so it, it's taken some getting used to honestly with Andrew on the bike. Um, I love it and it's awesome. And I don't have to maybe get my butt handed to me in a workout if I'm not feeling too great, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I miss that aspect of, of training with people and I, I just love it. Like I love folding into a pack and just working hard with all my brothers and sisters. So yeah, I just, I really miss that for sure you know, to this day, but yeah, I could remember like workouts where we had like 30 guys at, at BYU. And I was like, how is it? I, I don't know. It's just an awesome, awesome moment. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, especially coming out of, you know, obviously Boston has a big running community, but, but coming out mm -hmm. of COVID for me, like I got so used to training either on my own or with like only one or two other training partners. And like, I think I got a little too, cause like obviously the benefit of training with a group is like, you have someone to push and like, you can kind of ride the yeah. train if you're not feeling good. But I also think workouts where you kind of get to like control everything can be kind of like, that can make things easy and having somebody there to like push you out of your comfort zone and make you feel a little uncomfortable sometimes, I think is something that I personally feel like I've been missing lately that I, I should get back on with. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, you make a you make a great point. Uh, Reed and I worked out yesterday, um, and whether it was fatigue from the race or just tired, just general tiredness, like I, I there were some reps where I couldn't keep up with him and the fartlek run, and um, I was like, kudos to him. He's having a great workout. I feel like I'm having a great workout, and he's still ahead of me. And so I was like, it's just a really good reminder, like exactly what you said. You know, having someone to to push you. Um, even when you think you're doing well. <laughs> so yeah. Well, and even in races too, like there's always going to be factors you can't control and like absolutely working out on your own terms, you're like much more in control of the environment. Yeah. Like. We're in a bubble, Andrew likes to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, so obviously, you know, Mammoth, one of the big benefits is altitude. Has that been, I mean, it's, it's higher than Provo and <laughs> you, uh, uh, correct me if i'm wrong you didn't grow up at altitude either so. that's yeah that yeah. yeah tucson tucson arizona is not altitude but uh yeah. but yeah uh, it's really high here and i uh just another thing that coach v hill goes back to coach v hill and moving the team here and so yeah i believe that i'm getting so many benefits from sleeping at eight thousand feet um and then training low when we do go low um and then staying high when i'm running easy so I think that's played one of the biggest factors into my training. Just even if it's really not that much different from Flagstaff, you know, psychologically, it makes the world a difference to me. And so I think that's that's quite a big factor. Um, yeah, and Dina, again, reinforces that all, all the time. So it's just kind of helpful to hear that. Yeah, and I, I have to imagine, you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, the the benefit of seeing that it's worked for, for someone else, you know, yeah, um, it's yeah. always like good confidence in the system, um, for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Going back to, to BYU a little, like, I, I'm so curious as to what that experience was like for you just being in a, just like such a, you know, obviously a, a training environment that has produced a lot of, um, really, really good runners, um, going forward like when you I guess how did you decide on BYU in the first place is, is the first question yeah yeah so so the the junior college my girlfriend is running for I went there um and the coach Dave Barney is still there and he's Mormon um and he's kind of the one who like was like sneakily like uh, like throughout the year like hey what do you think about BYU I know it's Mormon school but like it's a great university if you don't run you can at least get like a great education um and i didn't really have too many other offers coming out of junior college um i wasn't good uh you know and so i uh, i remember coach barney picking up the phone and calling coach Eyestone and said hey I, I i got this athlete i really think they could run well um and Eyestone was like oh, i can't really take anyone that's slow basically you know kinder words of course um, but Dave Bonnie was like, I think he can run 30 minutes for the 10k. I, I just know it. Um, and so I soon decided to take a, a chance on me and, and, um, that's kind of how I ended up at, at BYU. And so it was really like the culmination of like junior college coach, I stone saying yes. Um, and then just lots of, lots, lots of prayer on it, you know, cause I really knew I wanted to run. I just didn't know where, didn't know how, um, but I knew I wanted to run. <laughs> so. But yeah, that's kind of like how that started. And then, yeah, just I remember 
you know, the top athletes like uh, Jason Witt, for example, uh, just working out so well and running times that I just was like flabbergasted by. Um, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience. So. And what, I guess, what was the, what was the secret sauce to going from sort of <laughs> where you started coming into BYU to where you ended up leaving? Like what was, what was the secret to success? Um, it was a big mental shift, but more than anything, it was raising my standards. Like, I guess seeing what was actually out there and what people were actually doing. I mean, you see these fast times, um, you see what goes into them, but, but it wasn't until I was at the university that I was like, well, I have to raise a standard for not only my running, but for like who I want to be and who the person I like want to portray to my family and friends and loved ones. And so that's like, honestly, and that's like the secret sauce. So like for everybody, I think it wasn't just applied to BYU, but just raising those standards like every day. And then, you know, just going after them, even if you come up like short, you know what I mean? So, but definitely, definitely raising the standards and then like believing in those standards. So. So from the outside looking in, I always feel like this is probably like reductionist, but you know, BYU, I think of as a cross country school, right? like, you know, it's like track is like (laughs) ancillary to like, oh, we got to, you know, NCAA cross and you know, they're not alone in that sense. Like obviously NAU has kind of made a name for itself and, and cross over anything else. Like when you were there, was was there a feeling of like, oh, cross is number one priority or like, was there just as much an emphasis on running fast on the track too? Uh, it was definitely cross for me. Um, all, my, all my career in high school and junior college and, and with Stone. I was always told I was better at the longer stuff and I so badly wanted to be good at the track. I just, you know, that was another beast in itself. Um, but it, the, the longer distance just came a little, a little more natural for, for me. And so I was like excited to like go after that. And so for me, anyways, it was like cross country number one, I, I want track to be, you know, number one or a close second, but I just didn't, couldn't quite figure that out. But, um, yeah, no, I still expects everyone not only to run fast on the grass, but on the track as well. So, so it's definitely, it's definitely up there as you can see. I mean, coach Taylor's doing an amazing job uh, with the women's team there. Um, and they can run grass. They can run, you know, any type of turf, like they can run on dirt, <laughs> you know, so, so they're always showing up. So, which is great to see, but, but, um, but yeah. It, uh, so you talk about always being like inclined toward the longer stuff. Um, this is my boyfriend's kind of a good example of that, where he's like said, like, you know, he did the 10 K in college, but always, you know, from very early on was sort of like marathon. Like that's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Did you, when you were in college and still competing collegiately, was that always sort of in the back of your head of like, Oh, one day I'm going to be like a kick-ass marathoner or was that a later realization? (laughs) It wasn't honestly, it, it probably wasn't until, uh, till my senior year of college, um when I had an actual like successful like cross-country season um and then having a terrible indoor and outdoor season just like reinforced what I thought I already believed and that just kind of propelled me to be like okay I still is there a chance you can coach me post-collegiately and if you can uh, I'll just run one marathon and if I do well then maybe we can continue this thing so yeah definitely it was like 
in the back of my mind. But then after cross country season in 2016, I was like, okay, definitely going after this. So, yeah. Is it, uh, is it nice to have a, a little bit of, you know, there's like a reunion every time there's like a road race with whether it's Clayton or Rory or whoever, you guys are all over the place now. Like, is it nice to kind of continue to, you know, race with and against those guys? It is. And I was super bummed that Clayton wasn't there at the 15K. I believe he, he injured his Achilles and, and he might've been better at the time, but he didn't want to risk it, which I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, it's so fun. Um, I mean, going to the half champs in December and, and running with Clayton and Connor Mance was, was awesome. The only one I haven't seen and I miss him so much and there's a ton of Connors on the team, but Connor McMillan, um, He's a guy that I've just like, for some reason, we just haven't crossed paths yet. Um, but yeah, it's so fun seeing all those guys. And like, I try to room with them if I can and just spend all my time with them. I miss Jared too, but Jared will be at Boston. So it'll be good to catch up with him as well. But yeah, that, that, those runners are just like such family to me. And even though Connor Mance was on, on the way in as I was on the way out, um, I can consider him family 100%. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a real, I mean, I think that's any good program, I guess, like there's sort of a, (laughs) there's a brotherhood of, you know, like there's guys at Cornell that like, I didn't overlap with that. I still Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'll see them at races or like, well, I'll see somebody ran fast and like shoot him a text, just like congrats. Like it is nice to feel it. Cause I could, I don't think you overlap with Jared, right? Like, I think he was. Oh yeah. Jared was. Yeah. So just having that lineage has got to be kind of like a, ni- a nice experience to like, also I, I imagine just to have people to kind of look to, to be like, oh, post-collegiate running, what's that like? <laughs> yeah. Nice to have, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, when Jared, you were yeah. turning pro, what, was Jared one of the folks that you sort of talked to about that process? Yeah, um, he was like, I mean, I think at one point I like, it was like a wonderful title for me in my head was like, I'm Jared's training partner in like 2017. Cause he had just come off, you know, uh, a top 10 finish in Rio in 2016. And so it was like, well, I'm his training partner, you know? Uh, so, but just being able to talk to him about that whole experience and then just seeing what it was like and traveling to races and who to, who to email, like he was a really big like help for me. And then, um, just the fact like I could at least stay with him for most of the three fourths of the workout was like, okay, I think there's something here that I can develop. Yeah. Yeah. And so backing up a little bit and honestly, even kind of stepping away from maybe the the running side of things you talked about, you know, being, you know, not a member of the the church of Latter-day Saints and, and going to BYU and that experience and being a person of color, like all those elements, like, what was that experience like of being a student at BYU and in such a in a world that obviously is very um has a very sort of specific orthodoxy um. <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent you know I I went to um I went to a private school in Arizona I went to a Catholic school and so honestly that transition from even though Paradise Valley was a public um you know I like, I reminisce a lot because I'm like, there's so many similarities from high school and up into college and like just falling in line with the teachings and, 
you know, signing the honor code and stuff like that. And even though like I was Catholic, I was like, my faith was respected. Um, and so like, I guess I, like I applaud the Mormon community for just respecting my beliefs and like just encouraging me to continue to learn about their faith, but also not being too, too pushy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was, it was like, it was such an honor to be there to learn about the, the religion. And, um, you know, there is these, um, I forget what they call them now, devotionals, devotionals. I believe they were every Tuesday um, in the basketball arena. And if you couldn't make it to the arena, you could at least like watch a TV and, and see the devotional and like just stuff like that, like constantly hearing like what we believe to be the word of God. And so like, it was such a calming experience to always just be like hearing those type of things. Um, you know, like not even just being saved, but just like how you should be as a person um, and you should treat people. And so, um, yeah, it honestly didn't feel much different from when I went to Catholic school. Um, so that was like, it's kind of funny. Like I thought it would be like a total, total different experience, but um, you know, not too much. And, and it was funny. Um, a lot of, a lot of students there, including my teammates would ask me about my faith. Like, so there was like that open line of communication. And so I felt very safe uh, about, I felt very like, um, you know, secure in the school, you know, if you will. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, again, I, I'm a big believer. And so I, I just think any time I can hear something like that, it just like really calms me in, in my spirit. So. Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, my, my family's Catholic as well. Um, and like, you know, big Italian family, like multiple, <laughs> multiple nuns in the, in the mix. And oh, wow. <laughs> obviously uh, it, it's interesting because I think that there is um, particularly, I think, you know, like within, I can't, you know, I can't speak to like specifically the Mormon community other than what the conversations I've had, but like, you know, in, within the Catholic community, there's like a real, sometimes, um, a, a cognitive dissonance for lack of a better term about sort of like, you know, the teachings of the church versus sort of the practices of modern day Catholics. And that, um, it is interesting, you know, when I, you know, when I read the honor code, uh, at BYU, like there's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> and you know, at the same time, if you look at, you know, the letter of the law teachings of the Catholic church, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff there that's pretty fucked up. And I think it's, and I, I had a very interesting conversation with coach Taylor. I actually don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. So, uh, but yes. I, after, <laughs> after NCAAs, I tweeted some choice, things about um <laughs> BYU and my perception <laughs> of uh the experience there and you know informed by my conversations with a lot of folks who who went there um you know mm -hmm. Clayson and and Emma oh, and yeah. a lot of those yeah. folks um and ended up having a very interesting conversation with coach Taylor um about her experience coaching there and her values and why she's there and I think um it's interesting. It's, it's challenge. It's something that I think a lot of folks wrestle with is, is the idea yeah. of, you know, there's something that can be really fulfilling and valuable for a community, but also really harmful for, uh, you know, people in some ways. Um, and that, and again, like, I, 
totally thinking about this from the sort of broad picture of like, this is not a problem unique to Mormonism. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm interested in, I guess, you know, uh, obviously kind of coming into that situation uh, from, you know, a bit of an outsider perspective, like, did you feel like that was something that you, your teammates, your team, the student body, like, did was that actively wrestled with or just kind of like it, it accepted on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, you know, when I signed that honor code, um, I really didn't do my due diligence. Uh, I just knew I wanted to like run for a great coach and a great school and a great university. And, um, you know, it was, it was when, you know, un- unfortunately for myself, it was like, I started, I didn't really pay attention until like Emma Gee, you know, was like making me more aware of it or yeah, Clayson Shumway, like people like that in the community, like, it was just awesome to hear. Um, so, so yeah, I guess that's, a, I was, I, the best way I can describe it is I was very ignorant um, and, and still partially am. Um, but there are definitely, you know, there are definitely things I struggle with, you know, with the Catholic faith. And so obviously that kind of bled into, you know, Mormonism and things I had trouble with there. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, my experience overall was awesome and I felt very blessed, um, to be a part of that, but, but yeah, you know, without, without divulging too much, maybe we can chat like just. Yeah. Well, I know. And I totally don't mean to like put you on the spot, you know, it's like, it's just, it's something that I find very interesting to kind of think yeah. about and, and talk about. Um, and, and it is, yeah, I mean, I think that it, you know, anyone, you know, one of the things uh, Coach Taylor talked a lot about, she's like, I have a very unique experience of being a person of color and being a non-Mormon in, you know, a predominantly white Mormon community. I think that Mm -hmm. is really interesting. And I think that, you know, a lot of um, what I think she's doing on the team that I think is awesome is this idea of sort of having the conversations and talking to each other and listening to each other and talking about what's important to you. And, you know, I have to imagine anytime you go to a new environment, you know, that I bet that was a conversation with, with Dina and Andrew, of, you know, joining that team and saying like, who's Nico as a person, right. you know, and like, when, what do you care about? What's important to you? And it's, you know, obviously I think we sometimes like boil down running to just like, oh, it's, it's training. It's the number of miles you run in a week, but like, there's so much more to like what it means to be an athlete and a teammate and a person that goes beyond yeah. that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, one thing I did struggle with, and, and that was a big deciding factor on why I left Provo in general after college was I wasn't going to find a wife uh, there. You know, they're, I'm Catholic and they're Mormon and that just doesn't bode well. Um, and I, it just was, it was never going to happen. Um, no matter how many dates I went on, no matter like what I thought, you know, was a good opportunity. It just, at the end of the day, it was like, two different religions and like I guess maybe two people being stubborn (laughs) at the end of the day but yeah I just I never saw that as like something that actually really held me back from something I really wanted um and that's kind of something I want to do in 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 my life so so that was like a you know something hard to deal with and face but you know obviously that played a part in my decision to leave so yeah well and that I mean I think that actually like it's a big thing that I think people sometimes 
people. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> let's run message borders, forget where it's oh my like, gosh, yeah. if somebody, you know, changes training groups or moves or leaves a brand or whatever, like there's so much more to your experience, you know, beyond just like, is this a good training fit? Um, and and I think that a lot of, um, part of why, like, I like the fact that this podcast is kind of like much bigger than just like running, running, running is like, cause I think that's a huge piece of it. And when you look at, you know, oh, why did so-and-so leave X, Y group? It's like, well, maybe the reason had absolutely nothing to do with running, you know, like their partner got a job or they, you know, want to have a kid or whatever it is, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, it, it is good to hear that, that like, sometimes like, you know, you can make decisions, big running decisions based on things totally unrelated to running. Yeah. It, it was scary. I mean, arguably, you know, I had Jared Ward, I had Connor Mance coming off my heel. Like it was just so many good athletes. I was like, I could fit in so well here and never change a thing. But at the end of the day, I'm going to be sad because I have no one to come home to. And that's, again, it's something that's so important to me. And you know, you can only hang out with your running buddy so long, I guess. I don't know. You know, everyone's different, but I knew for me that was like, that's more important than running. So, but yeah. And uh, I guess on a, on a slightly uh, lighter note, I, uh, I did ask <laughs> some of your teammates for, uh, for good fodder for questions. Oh, um, no. And one of them did say that I have to ask you about the, the story of your first tattoo. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Rory. That's terrible. Um, so we were in Flagstaff for Rory Linklater's birthday. Um, it was me, Rory, and Connor Ross. We got this Airbnb. It was awesome. Um, and we were just downtown Flagstaff, just having a good time, uh, you know, bar hopping, having a few drinks, just like really enjoying like taking in Flagstaff. Um, I'm so happy I went on that trip, by the way. It was it was great. Um but there was a tattoo parlor and uh i think it was like super late like i think we were walking back to the car and i don't know who bet who i honestly don't remember what happened i don't know if i said like hey dare me to get a tattoo or if rory was like hey get a tattoo uh i don't believe i was drunk at the time i mean i guess if i don't remember that's probably a good clue but uh yeah i just remember like walking down these steps and I was like, you know what? I'm doing it. Like I've been talking about it. It's time to put, you know, like my, my actions, you know, like time to just do it. And then, um, yeah, I got, I got a tattoo on my, on my inner bicep. And honestly, I, I kind of forget that it's there, but I love it. And, um, it was this guy, I don't know. I I felt like he wasn't even a tattoo artist. Like it it just was very bizarre. Like he was watching a movie when I like went down there and I was like, can you give me a tattoo? And I don't know. It's just really, it was like, we could tell there's some disconnect. Um, But it was so badly, I shouldn't say badly done, but the lines were so bad that I had to get it redone. Like (laughs) what is it a tattoo of? (laughs) Okay. So it's, um, it's a triangle pointing down and then the Roman numeral seven and then a triangle pointing up with Roman numeral eight. So fall down seven times, stand up eight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it looks, it looks a little better <laughs> you can see, but, uh, at the time I was like, I wanted to cry. Cause I was like, I just got this ink on me. Like it was such a spontaneous move. Like, uh, yeah, but that, that was a good time overall. Like I, that's one I'll never forget for sure. <laughs> 
It's a you got a good story out of it too. So I did, uh, I did. Yeah, you know, I I went to um he I thought he accepted card and he was like no I accept cash and that was just a whole debacle. I had to go like to some ATM and yeah it was a mess. It was a mess. <laughs> um, but never again. Um, but I actually my girlfriend used to live in Flagstaff and I actually passed by that tattoo parlor shop. Like it finally came back to me and I just like I did so out of block out of my mind. <laughs> Gotta excise oh, yeah. the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I had some PTSD for sure. I almost wanted to pop in to see if he's still working. Yeah, say hi. You say ask yeah. your money back a little bit. Of <laughs> yeah, <ball>. basically. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So that's so funny. Yeah, and then uh, Clayson did say that you're you're a big slip and slide guy. That was the only. Uh, oh man! <laughs> advice yeah. <you> so, <laughs> so we had a cross. We have a cross country camp every year. And, um, you know, I might've, I can either agree or deny that I went down the slip inside completely naked. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, uh, it was funny cause someone was waiting at the bottom with a, a towel so I could just like, you know, clothe myself and they took off and I was pretty embarrassed <laughs> with the towel. So yeah, I was just a- sitting there. Is this a co-ed cross-country camp or like just the guys? Just the men, yeah. Oh, so yeah, so who cares? I <laughs> yeah, see yeah, in the yeah, shower every day, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, it's just um, just having a good time at camp, you know. Where do you guys go for camp? Is that a preseason thing? Yeah, it's uh, if I remember correctly, it's uh, Eden, Eden, Utah. Um, maybe it's like a 90-minute a to two-hour drive, um, like wherever salt lake is located i don't even remember now utah i forget <laughs> so it's a it's always nice like um, <laughs> i think that was always one of my favorite things about cross in college is kind of like the the like bonding with the team <laughs> yeah. aspects you know like we uh my like sophomore junior senior year we went dry for the cross season which mm-hmm. is probably no no stranger to the <laughs> byu team but like you know, when we first decided to do it, it was like a big thing. And, uh, you know, as much as like, you know, uh, I'm drinking a beer right now. Like I, I, I love it. I love a good uh, drinking in moderation, but I really liked that we went dry for cross. Cause like it, I think it forced us to like hang out in like with just each other and do stupid things like, you know, like slip and slides or like, you know, yeah. we went like go-karting, like stuff like that, like good, clean fun. But like, I think that's a big part of like specifically the cross season too. Cause it's like such a team at focused aspect of running. So yeah, some favorite time of year by far. I mean, there's another camp I go to that I just help out at, but yeah, those two are like the highlights of like my year every year um just going to help out and yeah just being part of that group was so much fun yeah i made so many good memories so and a lot of people laughed at me which hey that's all right <laughs> i'll take it <laughs> so yeah and uh of course now you know i rory has not come on the pod but you know if you need to throw him under the bus uh revenge <laughs> tell any rory stories like we are, we are more than happy to hear that here oh but. yeah <laughs> yes he will be he'll be next for sure yeah once you said that i was like all right i know who, i know who <laughs> told me that yeah no it is it is nice i think um you know there's some it's a love language of sorts to, to have your college teammates have good dirt on you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, last but not least, we, we wrap up uh, every episode with the, the same three questions uh, of our guests. Um, the first is your Instagram crush. And I should specify, like, this doesn't have to be like a crush in the in the typical sense of the word. Like, it can just be like, okay, funny TikTok trend, like a funny meme, doc account, whatever it is, something you're yeah. into on the internet these days. Gotcha. Um, first person that pops into mind uh, is a guy named Jay Shetty. Um, okay. He, he's he is like a former monk, and he has his own podcast now. So. I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with him, but he puts out a lot of great content and I'm just like, I'm constantly learning things about him, but Jay Shetty hands down. Yeah. By far. 10.2 million followers. This guy has a big fucking deal. <laughs> yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> he, he really is great. <laughs> I oh, love I've him. I've never so. heard of him before. All right. Jay Shetty. Um, next is uh, your, your go-to karaoke song. Someone hands you the <laughs> mic and it's, it's your time to shine. What are you saying? <laughs> Um, definitely something by Taylor Swift. Uh, blank space. Is that the name of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably oh, yeah. something Great like song. that. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's good. That's a smart karaoke strategy because I always say that the key to karaoke is that you should sing a song that other people will <laughs> sing along to, so you, you don't have to hear your voice over the crowd. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then last but not least, your death row meal. You're, you're going to the chair. You got one more meal. You can eat anything you want. Mm. What are you eating? What am I eating? You know, a steak has never failed me. Uh, and I like mine really rare. So the bloodier, the better. <laughs> so I'm going rare steak. Nice. I like a medium rare, but uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll respect the, the rare. <laughs> Do you have a preferred cut of meat? Is that like a... Is that a are you oh, that no, or just anything yeah uh, yeah any cut i'll take it <laughs> i love steak but when like that's always like a thing where like whenever i'm at a fancy restaurant and there's like multiple options i have to like trying to figure out I'm like which one of these gives me the most <laughs> like <laughs> which yeah, one of these cuts <laughs> sounds like the largest <laughs> yeah yeah 100 uh, that's so funny yeah I have to, I just have to double up if I don't get enough. <laughs> yeah. Like you get like, you, you know, it's like you get like the, you go to a wedding or something and you get like filet mignon and it's like really good, <laughs> but it's like, you know, this big. Like, yeah. Where's the rest yeah. of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a second. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Oh, great choice. Great choices all yeah. around. Taylor Swift and steak is you can't go. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Those go well. Um, well, thanks for coming on, man. This is, this is a great conversation and, yeah. uh, Hope, hope well i'll definitely see you in boston if it's yeah. if only i meet cheering for you on the course but uh i'm yeah. sure uh we'll cross paths one way or the other um, yeah and uh yeah thanks again and uh until next time this has been yeah. on your mouth thank you thank you david Come back each time you leave, cause darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream so it's gonna be